This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. I hope you had a lovely weekend and an enjoyable weekend, I have to say, myself. We're all set for the end of January today and tomorrow, and then the 1st of February, Wednesday, we're into springtime for sure. We begin this Monday, as we have in recent Mondays, which are misplaced nunciation. Yes, there are places around the northeast in Louth and Meath, that people find it difficult to pronounce, be they locals or visitors to the area, people sending letters in, etc., looking for places. And we've picked out a number of them and we're going to bring them to you each Monday. We have a number already done and dusted. So today's place, are you listening carefully? I want you to pronounce it for me. Today's place is in County Louth and I'm going to spell it for you. It's S-T-A-R-I-N-A-G-H. How do you pronounce that? S-T-A-R-I-N-A-G-H. That is our misplaced enunciation today. It's in County Loud, the wee place in County Loud. How do you pronounce it? WhatsApp me a voice or now. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp me a voice or pronounce it by voice. We want to hear your voices. How do you pronounce that? Are you from the area? Have a go at it. Have a stab at it. S T A R. I-N-A-G-H. How do you pronounce that place in County Louth? Our misplaced pronunciation this Monday. Go on, give it a go. 086-1800-658. We love to hear from you. Voice me in now. Now today, the 30th of January, 20 years ago, who was the health minister in Ireland? It was Michal Martin at that stage. The man who's just become tarnished. It was Taoiseach for a time. And it was a significant day, 30th of January in Ireland, because Michal Martin announced that day that he was bringing in a smoking ban in public places, places such as pubs and restaurants, etc., covered off by it. And it would be introduced in 2004 in the month of March. But today was a significant day 20 years ago because it was announced. He teed it up. He said the government were going to enact legislation and in it would come. So let's go back 20 years and talk to a couple of people who remember the time well. Yes, they are publicans. We have Damien Clark from P. Clarks in Navin joining us and Colette Nugent from the Market Bar in Drogheda. Colette and Damien, welcome to the show. Oh, Jerry, how are you? I'm very good. Nice to have both of you with us on the show. Damien, I'll start with yourself. What do you recall from that time? You know, when the announcement was made and people suddenly realised, oh, listen, this is going to happen. Yeah, when when it, ha- when it was announced first, I have to say there was a lot of uh, pubs and, and restaurants really kind of 
saying, oh, how is this going to work and it's going to be a disaster for business and uh, it'll close down pubs. But it actually worked out to be the best thing that ever happened in the pub industry. So if I said to you today, you know where we know what happened subsequently, and there was a bedding in time, and you know, if I said to you today, twenty years, just almost twenty years on, it'll be the anniversary next year. If you were to go back, and they said, you know what, we can go back in time, and no, you don't have to go out to a designated area. You'll be allowed. You wouldn't want it. Is that what you're saying to me? No, Never again. Absolutely no, absolutely not. It was the worst. Like I, I remember when I was younger, working in nightclubs and and as a barman, and just to smoke everywhere it was really bad for the health you'd go home at night and you'd take your shirt off it'd be the smell of smoke could be terrible you know it was really bad for us uh, looking back at it um, it was a really good move by, by Michal Martin at the time Mm. And, and you know, uh, big benefit, as you say, to people who worked in those places. And you've worked at the, in different places all your life. You're in, in Clark's now as well. Yeah. Was there, you said to me there a moment ago, was there a feeling that business would be really impacted, that people, or there'd be even rebellion, that people wouldn't accept the law? Oh, very much so, yeah. It was really, it was looked at it like it, this could be, you know, the end of the pub as we know it. And uh, it actually, you know... It, it, Publicans were really scared at the time because it, it just was part and parcel of, of the pub tr- business. Yeah, you, know, you got a pint and, and you had a cigarette in hand, and even I, I was in pubs over the years, and even even some publicans had cigarettes while they were serving drink. You know, um, yes, it was just part and parcel of the whole thing. Uh, but it definitely improved the Irish pub, I think, because a lot of a lot of pubs, you know, embraced it, and what what ha- what they had outside was kind of uh, yards. You know, with skips and bottles everywhere, and they, they change them into beautiful uh, seating areas and, mm. and you know designated smoking areas, which which really improved the pub trade in general. And Damien, your Clark, your Damien Clark, your health yeah. is the better for it as well. And you didn't, I'm sure, when you went home at night and the stench off your clothes night was, after night. It was dreadful. Yeah, it was dreadful. And and, and looking back mm. at it now, you know, you'd never want to go back to them days. You know, mm. and and. You know, it definitely was a health and safety issue when you look back at it. Yeah. You know, so mm. it was a great initiative by me, Al Martin, I have to say. And the other thing, on the floor of your premises, you know the burn marks if you had a carpet yeah. in anywhere, or the, you know what I'm talking about, all yeah, that yeah. stopped as yeah. well. And too. even the ceilings, like they used to go brown. and yeah. You know, it was, yes. it was high maintenance, I suppose. Mm. Mm. Colette Nugent, come in there. Colette from the Market Bar and Drogheda. How did Noel and the crew feel around that time? Can you remember? Hello, Damien. How is all in Navin? All right. Um, Great, thanks. Uh, me, poor father, <laughs> me poor father was apoplectic. <laughs> I can recall it quite vividly. But, you know, it's a bit like um, the publicans. We, we were a great breed altogether. We're a very strange breed, but we reinvented ourselves. But Damien's quite right. We thought it was the death knell, that that was the end as we knew it. Mm. And it was for many people the death uh, uh, as they knew it, but... You know, we reinvented ourselves, and now it's a much more inclusive place because there was lots of people even then, 20 years ago, that didn't smoke or were trying to give them up and didn't want to be in that environment, you know, from the secondary smoke and the smells. And Damien's quite right. The only, in my opinion, the only thing smoking was ever good for a bar was mask and the you-know-what smells in the pubs because Ye- that was the only thing <laughs> it ever did. I won't put anyone off in case they're having their lunch. But anyway... Um, you know, as you say, it was it, it was introduced. I think was it um, Jerry? They proposed it in the yeah. in the two thousand and three. Yeah. Of course, it didn't get implemented. But a very funny story, very quickly. I won't hold you. The father. It, it was on a, if I recall, Monday night. The Monday club was very big here. Still is. 
and he got the boys to play the death march. Dun, 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 dun. So they marched all the ashtrays out of the, the, the back, which used to be where my forefather parked the car, which is now the smoking area, don't you know? And uh, within five minutes later, the turn round, because there was an elderly man in the corner and he was having his pint and he said in no uncertain terms, well, I'm not going out the back, no, to have me, me pipe or whatever it was. And the ashtray was reintroduced to, I think <laughs> shall remain nameless, God be good to him, he's no longer with us. But I remember it was all a joke for a little while. But 24 hours later, when there was no ashtrays in the bar, you know, the penny started to drop. But then, like COVID, we all took ownership of that. We didn't yeah. want it in the pub. Mm. So we all decided, well, it took a little while, you know, for us to, to get used to it. But it is, and I agree with Damien wholeheartedly, best thing that ever happened. Mind you, poor old Micheál Martin, he was lambasted for many a year over that. He was. It didn't matter what he did or didn't do. He was the, the beep, beep, beep that introduced the smoking ban in Ireland. But what they, they all failed to forget is, we were the first country in the world. Imagine that, little old Ireland, the first country in the world, the saints of Ireland school and scholars that introduced the smoking ban. And we said it would never happen. And it did. And not only did it happen, it excelled itself. And it's like breathing in and breathing out, excuse the pun. Mm. It's part and parcel of the whole thing, you know? Yeah. But D- I would imagine that it helped people stay off the fags and keep off the fags and not start the fight. Yes. I laughed at that bodily odours. We are a gaseous species anyway of human beings and we have odours, you name it, and of course that did mask it. But Damien, you travel a lot, as we know. We've spoken on this show over the years. You're a great supporter of the Irish international soccer team, you and your friends as well. Did you ever, you know, when it came in here, go anywhere where you could go into a pub and smoking was still allowed? Did that ever happen to you? Yeah, uh, I think only a couple of years ago we went to Tbilisi to, to in Georgia and you were allowed to smoke in a bar. Right. No problem, yeah. And what, uh, did, so what did that feel like going into a bar? Well, it, it, it's very strange, actually, to yeah. see people smoking in a bar. It really is nowadays. Mm. Um, and I'm not a smoker myself, thank God. So it, it's, I wouldn't recommend it now. It's not nice. Mm. But, uh, uh, no, it's, I've come across it all right. But uh, I think most of the European cities now, they're all, most yes. of the Europeans, they're all non-smoking, I think. Yeah. And, before, and the, before you go out, the, probably it's it's a bit more yes, different, you know? Yes, that's right. It's lax the further you move out yeah. across Europe in, in, in the, into further flung places. For, for you, and uh, Colette mentioned there, there are smoking areas now associated with all public houses and that. In, in terms of the number of smoking, what's your impression, Damien? Is there still as many smoking as ever, or do you think, you know, the number of smokers has declined? I think it has declined. Uh, I see a new phase now that they're all smoking these um, vapes. Yes. It, it seems to be a big thing now. Mm. Um they're, they're all they're all on that now, from what I see. Um, but the younger crowd are definitely more health conscious and, and definitely not smoking as much as they were. Yeah, yeah. So a big move forward, and you'd say the same, Colette, as regards the health of bar staff yourselves, the the good health of people at, uh, coming to pubs to enjoy themselves. It makes sense, doesn't it? Twenty years on, it's far better. I mean, you know, as Damien said, the smell of clothes of your, your even yourself, you couldn't you went into the house. You know, the smell, especially in a nightclub, my God, and your eyes would be stinging. And, you know, the secondary smoke was worse. Like Damien's just said, he, he wasn't a smoker. I, I'm one of them reformed ones. They're the worst. Oh. I'm 20 years off them as well. But uh, and it was so much easier for me to give them up, mm. if you have to recall, because at the time, because, you know, the glass of wine or the bottle of beer went with the cigarette. But it's way better. I mean, 
there's still, a, you know, depending on the size of the, 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 the area that you have out the back or out the front of your premises, there are still quite a few people that still want to sit out with their friends. But the vaping is a big thing now. They're all out. There's very few places now are allowing the vaping because there's so many of them. You think you were sending smoke signals to NASA, some of the smoke that comes out of them. But uh, a lot of them now are out the back uh, in a sort of included way that it's almost a social aspect as well. Yes. It's almost like the twa- never the twain shall meet mm. because you still have your interior full of non-smokers and they're quite happy out for a quick few, you know, drags the fag on the back into the company. Whereas in the early days, you would see someone sitting like a wallflower on their own because the other two or one in the company had gone out smoking and they were out the back. Yeah. But, you know, we are in a climate that it's not very conducive to sit out the back or sit out the front or whatever, mm. regardless of what heating or, or facilities you have. We're not Florida. We're not the south of Spain. So they're not going to stay too long out there, you mm. know, smoking. But... Yes, on, uh, on the whole, it's, it's way better. It's better for everything and everybody concerned from a maintenance program point of view, rather, and a health point of view, which is paramount to it all, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. We spend a lot of time, you know, with the, the, with the, the, uh, in the elements that's attacking us all. So every little helps, as they say, yeah. you know. Did you ever have to throw anyone out? Do you, can you recall back to when you actually had to implement it when it came oh, in? still do it they forget they, they're chatting and talking and they go to light it up or they have lit it up even nowadays right. and they, they're in horror you think they were after, you know robbing a bank but in the early days yes it was an absolute minefield of trying to and my father was very very clear about I'm not asking you know Mick, Joe, Mary whatever 80 years of age to go out and smoke and he would allow them to smoke right. but they would have to sit strategically at the door Right. If you follow me. Yes. But nobody else done it. Nobody else would dare do it. You mm. know, the ones that were going to go out. Daddy's attitude at the time was, well, you know, if that's all that man or that woman has, you know, and they're going to have their pint or whatever it may be, I'm not going to ask them to go out and have it. And they might only have one cigarette in, in the entire night. But it was still, however, breaking the law. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. You would have one or two now that would get very aggressive about it. Mm. And ironically, another funny story called to mind was, it was um, somebody, I I won't say too much, but somebody that should have known better started, you know, spouting chapter and verse and legislation and blah blah to Daddy Noel about uh, it was their right, you know, to, to smoke and this, that and the other. And he actually said, well, as long as my name's over the door, I'll tell you what's right and what's wrong, and you're not smoking, so make a decision. Mm. He was a bit uh, more gentlemanly about it than I would have been. But for the most part, I don't think it was aggressive now, but it was absolutely something that had to be policed and schooled. But eventually, like everything else, is like an old jumper we got comfortable with. We put it on and we got used to it, and that was the end of it, Mm. you know? No, No transgressors in Navin, Damien, no. No, no, we're very well behaved over here. <laughs> Law-abiding oh, people. You're doing the best over there in Kundanese. Oh, you're well behaved all together. Oh, I knew it. I'm going to go draw on a wall. I knew it. Go on. Depends what side I'm on. I could be, I, I be from the far side. I'm Absolutely. Side. <laughs> anyway, so. Should... 
Don't mind that Damien fella. They're not that well behaved. Like, oh, we're originally from Logan's town, so we know all about you, lads. Oh, very good. <laughs> anyway, Chocolat, we have to be- tip the cap to them again today. The one in Cork yesterday, and we threw okay. it away in Clare. They did, they did. Yeah. They did. There was great banter here yesterday that they were giving out uh, banter. All of them, there was a say one. Oh, look at it's great. It's it all is. Good. It's it is good. all good. That's all fair in love and war, as they say. Listen, thanks to both of you. Wish you well with the business thanks going forward. Thank you for joining oh, me, Damien. Thank you very much. Thank you, Colette. Bye Take bye. care of yourselves. Bye bye. That's Damien Clark there from Pete Clark's Navin and Colette News from the Market Barn Draw. Reflecting on 20 years ago today when Minister Michal Martin announced the smoking ban would be introduced in Ireland. Can you pronounce our word on Monday, our place name on Monday? S T A R. I-N-A-G-H. We have them coming into us here by WhatsApp. WhatsApp the pronunciation into me, please, on 086-1800-658. And we'll give you a feel for what people are saying and how they're pronouncing it. And we will give you the definitive pronunciation later on in the show. Louise, have you booked a flight lately? Have you gone online to book a flight in recent times? No. Well, since 2019. And, and I'd say I'm the same, Louise, you know, only sort of getting going again. But anyway, on Friday, I had cause to book a flight because, you see, I'm going to see Glasgow Celtic play Glasgow Rangers Easter weekend. And the game was fixed on Friday afternoon later on for the Easter Saturday, right? Saturday at midday in Glasgow, the big game. And got a call to say, you better get booking those flights. So I went in to book the flights to Glasgow mm-hmm. and uh, uh, with Ryanair. Online. Online. Mm-hmm. And uh, going over on the Friday back on the Saturday evening. Anyway, t- um, for two of us, myself and a good friend of mine, Joe, who's never been to a Celtic Rangers game. Uh, anyway, went in on the uh, Ryanair website uh, and bang, bang, bang. Mm-hmm. Uh, flight Dublin, Glasgow, Glasgow, Dublin. And the price came up. €160 Euro each way. That's Each un- way, it's not return 100, so it's 320 altogether. 320 altogether right. for two of us, okay. right? But say, let's talk about one fare for mm. me, but book for two. 160 each way. Right. And I go in to confirm and pay. Well, Louise, mm. the only thing they didn't ask me for was a few euro to go for a pee in the loo on the flight. You because sure didn't. Well, I, I, Did I, you look at the small <laughs> That's the only thing that Ryanair didn't ask me to pay for. Insurance, protect your tickets. You have to pay now to sit beside somebody. I said, I don't give a damn whether Joe's flying the plane or I'm in the arse of the plane. We don't have to sit together. You have to pay 20 euro to sit together. On, did you know this? I didn't, on the I didn't yeah. know. I knew like with kids there was something. You 20 had to euro you book, have to yeah. sit together. And then you can bring a carry-on baggage the size of this. And then it kept coming up and saying, hurry up, hurry up, you need to move. I'm <laughs> trying to move quickly through the bloody book and you gobsh. Like the chaser. Yeah. You get a certain hurry time, up. A, B or C. Yes, yes, you got it. It asked me, and I thought they were going to charge me for the air. If you want to breathe, it's five euro every 20 minutes. I was expecting to see that as well with everything else they had. Anyway, I got down through the stuff, got to the end, confirmed booking. Uh, hurry, hurry, hurry. Anyway, <laughs> Jesus, I'm flying here. Will you stop at me? Right. Anyway, I got to the end and it said, uh, message to this effect, the, pl- the price of your flight has increased from, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm saying it's a long time. It's probably a minute or two. From I started the book until I got to the end through all that nonsense, I paid 230 euro for the flight. 
And was that because you didn't go bang, 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 or you just, or it was just going to go up? Somebody else had booked, and then it was well, more right. demand on that. Well, right, there was, yeah, there was demand. I'm sure because the game and others mm. were trying to get. It. But like, come on, Louise, come on, from 160 to 230 in virtually a couple of minutes, and me doing the booking. What absolute? So did you get it for the? Higher price, yeah, you had to pay the had higher price. Had to pay price. it, I had no choice, yeah. we want to go. <laughs> we want to go to the match, I have no choice. 230 euro return from Glasgow to, oh, I tell you, I just sat there and thought. I thought to myself, and I know demand, demand is the thing, you know what I mean? But I think there's a little more than demand built into that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? To be honest with you, I thought it was horse manure to be honest the whole process and everything involved with it and all this type of stuff maybe there's a way of going from the first point when I went in and say I do not want there should be a box I don't want anything from you no they want to they want you to pick something different. I don't want anything I just want to get to the deal pay you and fly I don't want another thing from you is there a way of hopping from that point to the end without having to go through all that rigmarole and sales pitch etc what happens if you have slow internet Yes, of course. And what you're happens? waiting more, you know. <laughs> what happens if you're you slow? Grand. What ha- Never mind, leave the word internet out. What happens if you're slow? <laughs> you know what I mean? What actually happens? I just thought to myself, what utter nonsense, to be honest. It's a great you. game show. Wouldn't <laughs> <Yeah. Goodness>. it? <laughs> Whoever reaches the end first, first for, for the lowest price no, wins. No, you could be onto something. There Join us for Ryanair. Board game next Christmas. Yeah, yeah, next Friday night coming to you on RTE. <laughs> Yeah, Dancing with the Stars finishes Flying It's the air. Ryanair show Here we go Oh my, oh my Anyone else experience that type of Hi Jerry, just listening to you there About the flights to Glasgow Sail and rail the cheapest way to Glasgow God, that's the way St Margaret Celtic Supporters Club Used to go drive up uh, to Belfast Get the boat across to the match Back down, boat back home And it was nearly a 24 hour trip It was some journey at the time But the boys and girls have done it over the years But look, the flights are more convenient, aren't they? But by God, do they take you through the mill On the uh, the Ryanair website Before you get to the key moment When you have to pay the cash Thank you indeed for all your comments And your pronunciations of S-T-A-R-I-N-A-G-H It's a little place in County Loud How do you pronounce it? S-T-A-R-I-N-A-G-H WhatsApp me a voice with the pronunciation to 086-1800-658 We have a number of them there already Oh, you're getting it Nearly getting it You're all nearly getting it this afternoon It's not that difficult, is it? But anyway, if you can say it Please do get in touch with us Now, it looks like interest rates will rise later this week The uh, sabres are being rattled across Europe What does that mean? More pain for borrowers, of course And then on the other hand, can savers hope, hope for some respite from zero interest rates? He's back with me again. I didn't think I'd be talking to him so soon. We're nearly in the month of February. It's the money, Dr. John Lowe. Hello again, John. Good, good afternoon, Jerry. Yeah, uh, it's it's certainly um, a time for interest rate rises. And you're right. Uh, it's going to hurt the borrowers, but not necessarily. It's not going to hurt the savers. Right. Well, let's talk about borrowers first, John. Um, what are you expecting? What do you think? Another half point, three quarter point, what? I think it's another half a percent. So you, you'll you'll find most, for instance, tracking mortgages now will be about three and a half percent. That's why an awful lot of um, clients and, and people are moving out of trackers and, and getting into fixed rates. Although the fixed rates now as well are now starting to move up as well. It's always the same. 
And John, like this has uh, started last July with a half a point and there have been a number of, of rises since. But I suppose when you read between the lines, it's a, it's a it's a fine line. They have to call this properly. They're trying to put the, uh, the calmer on inflation, but at the same time, it could tip economies into re- recession as well. Yes, it can. It's a very, very fine line. I don't know if you remember, Jerry, back in, say, about 2007, 6, 7, uh, when the uh, ECB rate raised the, uh, their, their rates by a quarter percent every month for 12 consecutive months. So it was up 3% at the end of the year. And uh, at the start, you know, people said, ah, it's only quarter percent. You know, then the following month, ah, it's only half percent. But by the end of the year, they were screaming to get out of trackers. And it's now nearly at that stage again, except they, they went up you know, quite substantially in a sh- such a short per- period of time. And it's not going to stop here either, Jerry. I, I do believe that they'll have another rise before we start seeing a kind of a, a levelling off. Mm. So expect that this is one of uh, more, you believe, this year. What about fixed and variable rate mortgages? It'll hit the tracker immediately. What about those? Yeah, well, what's a little bit disconcerting, uh, Bank of Ireland have, I mean, they had increased the fixed rates up, uh, you know, like you, know, you have like 3.25 uh, uh, fixed for three years, which relatively was high when you consider that you could get a four-year fix of 2.05 less than a month earlier. And they've now moved it up again to 4%, that same rate. So... All the lenders are now starting to, you know, get on the bandwagon. And uh, you, you, you don't know whether it, they're being forced to or it's a bit like, you know, uh, at, at times of, of interest rate rises, the banks are very quick to increase the borrowing rates. They're very slow to increase the savings rates. And John, why is that? Has it anything to do with... I'm, I'm going to talk about Britain for a moment uh, because I was just looking in the papers this weekend and I nearly fell off my chair because across the water... I'll just give listeners a feel for this. Yeah. Um, HSBC have an easy access account they're offering almost 3% on. A notice account with Hink, Hinkley and Ruby... Uh, rugby, Hinkley and Rugby Building Society, 3.6%. That's a notice account. Now, if you look at the fixed rates, uh, 4.33% for a year, 4.7% two-year, uh, 4.71% for uh, a three-year, and a four- and five-year yielding 45 and 4.6%. John, what's going on? You can also get, by the way, 7% on a regular savings account over there. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, um, they're, they're, they're more realistic, and of course, their rates are slightly higher than ours, by the way. So, mm. w- w- what the deposit takers are doing, uh, they're reflecting those increased rates and passing them on to the customer. Here they're not, for whatever reason. You've got the, the I mean, Bank of Ireland make, made a, a big play out of uh, a half a percent increase in their deposit rate, uh, their kind of mortgage saver, uh, from half a percent, a quarter percent, to half a percent, three quarters of a percent, sorry. Yeah. So it's a regular monthly saver, 0.75%. So it went up half a percent from a quarter of a percent to three quarters of a percent. And they're making a big deal of it. Mm. I mean, that's probably one of the, the, the better ones. Uh, I mean, the six-year post office uh, on post installment saving, that's 0.63. 
um, the online regular saver, 0.4%, that's with uh, permanent TSB. I mean, you've still got like 0.01% for demand accounts over here, mm. where, you know, the banks are making hand over fist. That's what I'm saying, that these deposit takers, especially where they're, they have been lending. There's one company called Raisin.ie, R-A-I-S-I-N. And you can have a look at that because um, they offer rates, but not from Ireland, from around Europe. So you're, you're covered by the, the deposit guarantee of 100,000 per person per institution, but you're in a different country. And, but you, sh- you could still be in the Eurozone. So it's worth having a check out to see if you want to do that. Um, personally, I, I, I prefer to stick to Ireland yeah. uh, simply because, you know, it's, it's seemingly more accessible and therefore you... you, you and, and in particular, like the very best deposit rate out there, by the way, is that 10-year national solidarity bond from um, the National Treasury Management Agency, NTMA. So that's 10% into your fist at the end of 10 years, tax-free, and it's guaranteed by the government. So there's huge amounts of money going into that. And especially for those people who can afford to put money away for up to 10 years. But, but when you work out the gross rate of that, Jerry, it's 1.43% gross per annum. Mm. So you know, there's many a model, as you would know, um, that wouldn't get out of bed for that kind of money. <laughs> <laughs> My mother used to say, you can't have your loaf and eat it. That was a famous saying of hers to us when yeah. she ever wanted to make an analogy. Well, it seems the banks can have their loaf and eat it when it comes to increasing borrowing rates and not passing on the, uh, the rise to deposits. Could it be anything to do with the huge amount of money that's on deposit in this country uh, compared to, you know, uh, percentage-wise, what's on deposit in the UK? You know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's to do, Jerry, with profit right. and, and, and shareholding okay. shareholders. That's really what it's down to. So the longer you can stave off uh, putting, giving money to depositors yes. and the quicker you can put money on to borrowers' um, rates, the, the more profit you make. Right. Would it not be then, uh, you take the government, you've mentioned you're a great, and you're always having a great fan of the state savings for security and the returns they give. Could the government not drive the banks, drive the agenda by they themselves, you know, upping the rates they pay on the state savings and putting the pressure on the banks? Well, actually, in fairness to the NTMA, they're already under pressure because their product, their state savings, are always at the top in relation to deposit uh, products. Mm. Uh, deposit investments and and those deposit takers are up in arms over the fact that they feel they have a disadvantage um, towards towards the government and yet at the same time they're now under pressure to increase them again so I mean you, you know you've got the five year national savings certificate um, it used to be five percent cherry it's that's down to three percent mm. so that's like 0.66 percent a year mm. that's you know net into your hand I mean still the most popular of probably the on post um, uh, uh, kind of state savings, NTMA, would be the, the prize bonds, you know. Mm. There's 4.4 billion in prize bonds. It's a record. And, and again, people, um, you know, you've got the guarantee of the government, plus you've got the chance that even, you know, I think I told you I've got three clients who have half a million each in prize bonds. And one lady said, you know, John, you... You know, you, you have to realise the pleasure I get from listening to my letterbox go on a regular basis. <laughs> I'll never tire of you telling that because I I would hope someday that letterbox is mine. I have 50 euro in prize bonds. Oh, but you never know. You never it know. could be you as 
yeah, they say. Yeah, so, yeah. John, what you're basically saying to me is that the NTMA will not drive this agenda. They are not going no, to be the ones to make the running. No, if anything, they, they, they're under pressure to reduce. Uh, but it, it'll be the consumer who uh, harangues the, their deposit takers and say, this is unfair. You're, you're kind of putting it on the long finger to increase the rates on our deposits. It's unfair. John Pather wants to know, can we just drive up the road and open an account in Northern Ireland and avail of those English interest rates? You, you can drive up the road, yes. Um, the, you know, theoretically, you know, there used to be all sorts of things uh, that you, you, you'd have to fill out a form. And, and uh, there was, as I said, it's, it's kind of a little bit awkward because, you know, if you are a non-resident, theoretically, whatever taxes withheld in the north should be tax-free, just as much as it's down here. If you opened up a non-resident account here in the old days, certainly, uh, you, you would sign a form which meant that you wouldn't pay dirt tax. That's not available now at this stage to non-residents. You can't really get a non-resident tax-free account. Right, so can you not, bottom line, can you open an account in the North, yes or no? You can, but the only problem here is uh, you've got to find out, do they accept euro? Yeah. Um, and, and more than likely, most of those rates, Jerry, they apply to sterling. Okay. So you're now going to run the risk of a currency exchange a risk. Um, you know, whereby you're, you're sterling, uh, you might be getting your 3.63 or 4.45, yes. um, but then suddenly you've lost 10% in, in the value of, of yes. sterling, you yes. know. So you have that exchange rate to consider as well. Yeah. What about Europe? Can you go to, because we are part of the EU, can I go to Germany and open an account, being an Irish person in a bank in Germany? You can. Yeah, as I said, uh, again, it, it, if you want to look at that site, yes. raison.ie, yes. um, that they would have, uh, and they, they specify on it what uh, institutions are covered by the deposit guarantee scheme. Right, okay, so yeah. R-A-I-S-I-N dot I-E yeah. if you're looking for a return on your deposit, suss it out, but you tread carefully is that the message you say? Tread carefully because you know, again, you know, and, and you don't know what the rules and regulations of some of these overseas banks are they, and they can change in an instant, as much as they can over here. Mm. Well, John, we live in hope that someday we might get an extra one or two percent on our little old savings. That's all we can hope. And I know, I know you'll keep us in the loop for sure. Thank you so much for joining it's me again pleasure. today, John. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's John Lowe. Check him out. Moneydoctors.ie, plural. Moneydoctors.ie, independent financial advisor and a very good friend of ours on late lunch. Seems unfair, doesn't it? It really does seem unfair that they load it on on the borrowing side and there's nothing, no consideration virtually for savers. If you Couldn't be our theme song, could it, on this show, Don't Speak? It'd be pretty quiet two hours, one. <laughs> That's one thing we can do, Louise, talk. We can talk, can't we? That's one thing we be. certainly can talk. Don't speak. It's not. It's never a quietness. There's rarely a quietness around late lunch, is there? Night, noon, or morning? No. Not with you, Ryan. <laughs> oh, you too. Excuse me. There's a purpose in it. There's a purpose in it, to be honest with you. I don't know whether you saw this the weekend, but it did catch my attention. Do you know the way we're, and we've spoken about it on the show, we're told that antibiotics are being overused and that their mm-hmm. effectiveness is diminishing Yeah, with people time. are getting used for And chat. they're really, really worried. Well, let me tell you, there was Especially really... penicillin, I Yeah, think, absolutely. It? But this weekend, fantastic news from Norwich in the UK working with other universities, they think they have something brand new. It's a thing called 
Albicidin is the name of it, Albicidin. And it comes from a pathogen that develops in sugarcane plants. You know where they grow mm. sugarcane in the world? When a pathogen hits it and it causes rot and that, they can es- extract it. This is my understanding of it in, in layman's terms, this Albicidin from it. And they've been using it and it is revolutionary. And it, it's different to antibiotics in the way it tackles, you okay. know what I mean, uh, the ailments. But they're really really um, and it isn't like it's not just a painkiller it's an no, antibiotic no it does right. the same as an antibiotic even though you wouldn't call it an antibiotic but uh, they say watch this space that the results have been terrific with this and it would really open up a whole new vista a different way of tackling and it might be able to tackle maybe new you know new yes. ailments that were never, yes. never be tackled yeah. before it's a big story I read it in uh, the weekend in the Guardian and it's a very interesting piece on it and they are so hopeful about this so that's a good news a story, news story. For for mankind that this is the case because there is a real worry uh, about the uh, antibiotics losing their strength and effectiveness. I just on another note, I'm on a health blast. I sorry, I beg your pardon. I'm on a health it's blast. The end of January, late not the beginning. <laughs> Sleep apnea. Now mm. there's something that people listening today, an awful lot of people suffer with. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know what I mean? Where you, you know, the way you... Stop sit breathing. Yeah, stop breathing. Yeah, when you stop breathing, it's a frightening thing, you know, for, especially if you're sleeping with somebody and they stop. You know what I mean? And you think, oh my God, uh, don't be laughing. <laughs> I, I know, I know what she's thinking. I, I know what she's thinking at, at this minute in time. Don't be laughing about it. It's a serious matter when you, when, when it is a, a, a big issue for somebody. I know anyway, it is. I was just thinking something. I else. know you were. I know. I'll, just we'll, whenever you said. When we put the mics down, mm. we'll talk about that. Anyway, uh, seriously, on sleep apnea, I have to say they've now come up with a new implant that actually. Nearly, el- yeah, nearly eliminates it for a little thing, and they just put in and eliminates the problem for the night. For the night, so anyone <laughs> suffering from sleep apnea, and would uh, that cover like snoring? Is that a form of sleep apnea mm, too? Mm. Mm. When it gets real bad, and uh, you know what I mean, it, it, it progresses. Sure thing. But by God Almighty, you know, when you think, you think, will they ever start breathing again? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when people stop. But uh, that's good news uh, on that front as well. If you live with that. S-T-A-R-I-N-A-G-H. 
How do you say it? It's a little place in County Loud. How do you say S-T-A-R-I-N-A-G-H? Oh, I've had this delightful wee book for some time and it's taken us a few weeks to get round to it, but today is the day. It's called Free Range Blessings and it's by a lovely lady I met on late lunch some years back and she's simply brilliant. She's an author, businesswoman, mum, grandmother and a good egg, may I say. Margaret Farley, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much, Jerry. What a glowing um, uh, uh, what say, introduction. Not at all. I mean every word of it. I so enjoyed it. I remember the day you were here with me and when I got the book, uh, you know something, I've been through it a couple of times. I absolutely love it, Margaret. First of all, to say, well, listen, good wishes to you because Clonarn Clover, your business, is being minded by somebody else now. That's right. Uh, and and uh, we're very, very happy about that, Jerry. And I think even writing the book probably helped us reach that stage. You know, uh, we were really, really passionate about what we did and still are passionate about it. And uh, we... It, Everybody considered that, you know, we would never move on from the egg business mm. because we were so taken up with it and so ungo- and had given so much to it. And none of that I regret. I'd do it all over again. But the way things worked out, putting it on paper made us realise really how far we'd come and how much we'd achieved. And I don't mean that in a in a proud way. I mean it in a very satisfied way. Yes. Uh, that, you know... When when we were we weren't trying to sell the business, but we were made an offer, and the offer was uh, one that didn't insult us, and uh, by by very nice people that we were glad to um, hand over control mm. of the business to, and um, you know then the book followed that, and really I think the book gave us a, a, a sense of. Um, reaching that achievement and reaching the levels we could yes. uh, and it, it then let go without any level of mm. any sense of sadness of or course. regret or whatever. Yeah, it was time, Margaret. I know it was, it was time. time. And that comes time, across yeah. in the book, it was time. Are you, but just as an aside, do you still have a few hens? Do you keep a few hens? Oh, well, yeah, we do have hens. Yes. At the moment, we, we're between flocks. Ah, yes. We still do. You yeah, do. Okay, do that's... Events, and we supply the eggs to the people who bought the Ah, lovely, lovely, yeah. lovely. That's great to hear. Yeah. So you you still have your foot in the game, so to speak, and that's 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 great to know. Look, the book I, I, I so enjoyed because, you know, you know what came out from this book to me, and I want to say this to you honestly. You know, for all your success and all you achieved, you've remained very grounded and modest people, Margaret. Well... Thanks, Jerry, for that. Uh, you know, we were, our rearing brought us up to be that. Yeah. And I don't think we ever had... We hadn't. We probably hadn't time to get swelled. <laughs> so that's a good thing. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's that's one reason for, for sure. No, but you are. You're such a genuine person and your family are too. And you've been through so much when you read the book as well. And you just, you know, dug in there and got on with it. But Margaret, the big thing is this, and uh, the, the title says it, Free Range Blessings. You're a woman of deep faith. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I suppose... In the book, there's some references to where our faith and our, the faith we were brought up with, um, you know, really, really stood to us. And the funny thing, just there at lunchtime, I was listening to a song, uh, the latest song.
song released on Dolly Parton's mm. birthday, her seventy seventh mm. birthday, and it's she's saying how God talked to her mm. and told, give her a warning that well, he was kind of saying, do I need to come down and teach you a lesson down there? You know, yes. he was speaking from on high, and we would have always had that sense of a realization that you know. We're only here for a short time. Do the best we can for ourselves, for those around us, and for those that depend on us too. And try at the same time not to injure anybody else. And I suppose, uh, for the most part, we we did our best, and I think we didn't do bad a job. I suppose not at all. You did a fantastic job, but you were tested in your lifetime by the challenges that came your way. Your faith had to be tested because you lost your lovely sister when her life was really truly only beginning in her late teens. Leo, Leo, your husband, he was so lucky to survive that accident in in 1996 as well. You were pushed to the pen of your collar, weren't you? Well, at at that time, I have to say, Jerry, I did think God had singled me out for hardship because my mother was uh, was sick at that time as well. She'd mm. had a brain operation uh, in June, and uh, and I was so angry because she wasn't. Mammy was a great support to me and us here. Uh, they lived twelve miles away, but both my parents were still living at that time, mm. and uh, we saw them regularly, and they were a great support, as I say. And she had um, an aneurysm corrected in her brain and it went wrong and she was no longer able to uh, live an independent life so she had to be in care but the few months after the recovery period after the operation it was during that time that Leo had his accident and I was really angry with God because mummy had such faith I wondered what was God at that mummy had to suffer like this believing and trusting in God as she went for that operation. And I can tell you on the 15th of August, the morning of Leo's operation, which was really only two months after Mammy, um, uh, Mammy's operation, I said, thanks be to God, there's a forgiving God, because that morning I my prayer was that Leo, if God wanted him, take him, but don't leave him with me uh, with great needs, because I felt I wasn't that type of person. I didn't have the strength to... Um, to attend to somebody who was completely dependent on me, and God answered that prayer for sure. Yes, and you've uh, you've travelled a lot with your faith as well to the shrines across Europe, Medjugorje. You've been there a number of times uh, uh, to Lourdes and places like that as well. And and you know, Margaret, in the context of the world today, where faith is a taboo word, you know what I'm talking about, and people. I do. I do. That's, I think, why I I only discovered it at lunchtime, why Dolly Parton's song, I've shared it on my Facebook page because I think it's very relevant for the world we're in today. You know, I don't don't, um, profess to preach my faith to anybody, Mm. but I don't want to have to hide it. From, from the public either. Yes. Well, you know what as well when reading this book? By God, you've educated us all on the inner workings of a hen, Margaret, oh I have goodness. to say. Doesn't she, she doesn't <laughs> get the, the credit she deserves. Oh, no. But, I'm hoping she will now, though. Oh, she will. Listen, I, you've got to read this to understand. Like, I never, a hen can produce an egg in a day. 
It takes about 24 hours, yes. Yeah. And, and you'll remember years ago, our grannies would have had a, a setting of eggs, they'd call it. Well, it would be a clutch of eggs. Mm. And those eggs would all be formed, forming um, at the one time at different stages of formation. And that's how they would all have got fertilised at the one time. Now, we, when we, at the type of business we were in, there was no males with the birds. So it was just keep laying eggs. Yes. Uh, you know, but uh, those little chicks um, would all be, the, uh, sorry, the eggs that would be, be a clutch of eggs would all be forming at the one time and at different stages. Mm. And the, the one most ready each day would on consecutive days, the hen would lay. And all that's going on while she's going about investigating the world, making uh, new discoveries, scratching new territory, eating your cabbage or your lettuce if you let her. (laughs) You know, doing doing what she was designed to do. Uh, And uh, I was a long time uh, in the business before I realised the wonders of that, what's going on in that little body. Well, I, I tell you, for, you, this book explains it brilliantly, I have to say, and I, I was fascinated by it. The other thing we have to mention is you and the pasteurising of eggs. That was That's one thing you'll be renowned for always. Well, we were... We realised at a very early stage, Jerry, that for us to uh, remain sustainable in an industry where everything, and in a world where everything was getting bigger, 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 mm. we needed to innovate. And we had that idea, and uh, through a very a set of circumstances that some of them are listed in the book, um, we got onto a program, a cross-border program, uh, and were linked up with the University of Ulster in Coleraine, and subsequently got a, a graduate funded, uh, or partially funded into our our business, and that was our wonderful Roberto, who is now still working with the company that bought our business, and I was an, such an asset to our company. Uh, our company grew from a micro business in a, in a short few years uh, to a seven million turnover, uh, and you know that was that was unimaginable for us at the start of our um, our entry into the egg business. But it was such an exciting time, and it wasn't about the money; it was about you know, the satisfaction, the excitement, the buzz of getting a new product, not really knowing how to get it from A to B. But, you know, again, I think um, God's timing was perfect and we got there uh, with the the huge um, intellectual knowledge that Roberto brought to our business. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great part of the story too. Another aspect here, and I don't want to give it all away because we're going to tell them in a moment where they can pick up the book. When you uh, featured on Secret Millionaire uh, back in 2013 and your trip to the Liberties in Dublin, mind you, you were a city girl for a time because you worked in banking in Dublin and you returned back home, yeah. so you're familiar with the city. That made a big impression on you. Oh, a, a everlasting, Jerry. Uh, those of us that go about our daily 
a daily life, have a roof over a head, get up to a warm house, have food on the table, and thankfully, in our case, uh, no addictions or distractions like that. Uh, we do not know how other people have to survive day to day, and that week was a lesson in that that I could never forget. Yeah, and uh, that comes across very clearly uh, uh, as well, Margaret. Um, COVID was a tough time for so many people, including yourselves. It was difficult and, and you, you touch on that as well. But, you know, beyond COVID and beyond now your your change in your life and that, you're always looking forward. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know one day uh, the, the, my eyes will close and they'll be, oh. uh, I'll be looking at a different scenery, put it like that. <laughs> but, uh, yes, I... Um, I love life. I've always loved life. And I often think that the youth today, no fault of their own, I don't know why why it happened. But when I worked, I worked in the Park Hotel. I I started off, I think you could say this in the book too, uh, gathering eggs with a neighbour at home at Billis. And then uh, my mother found a job for me in the Park Hotel. Mm. And I was so happy to work for that. And my first week's wages was one whole pound, oh. you know, way back in yes. those, so far back I can't calculate nearly. Anyway, uh, then I started in the bank and uh, the first week's, first month's wages, well it was actually five weeks, was £50. Wow. And that £50 was so precious. Mm. Like, I don't know what it would compare to today, Jerry, yes. but... I think, I don't know, was it the the genetic makeup or was it just my way of dealing with things? But anything I did, I I made the most of it. Mm. Um, I I remember sitting beside a young girl in work from Kerry and she was a little bit younger than me and she was from way down in South Kerry and she longed every week to get home and she'd applied for a transfer to get back to Kerry, which eventually worked out for her. But the sadness that she carried every day, I thought, oh, I couldn't live like that. Uh, And genuinely, I couldn't. But I know everybody isn't blessed with that grace that they, that, you know, they can make the best of what is there for them. And I remember at the time getting married, I was walking in the bank and a cousin of Leo's said to Leo's father, well, look at, would you go home and advise your son, to uh, Leo, to buy a dog, sell, sell, sell our rent, buy a dog and go and live in Dublin and walk the dog because she learned more mm. than, he'd ever, than he ever could. <laughs> but it wasn't about... It wasn't about that. No. I loved Leo. Leo loved me. We didn't get all on the time and working together wasn't easy. But, uh, you know, yes, make the most of what you have today. Ah, tomorrow they, it'll be different. And ah, that's the approach. They're lovely. And that's the way tomorrow will be for me too. Yes, and for all of us. And of yes. course, the eyes close for everybody. There isn't anybody I know, Margaret, that they didn't close for so far. So, and that's the way it's going to be forevermore. But those Absolutely. words, it we will. don't escape that. No, we don't. Those words are lovely to finish our little chat today. The book. Where can the book be got? Well, at the moment, Jerry, it's not available in many places. We didn't have a distributor, a, a, a publisher. Well, it's kind of a roundabout way, but um, I was at a conference a number of years ago in London and I'd always felt I'd love to write about 
about the head, mm, mm. and but I didn't have the words. Yes, and this conference offered an opportunity to to get somebody to put your my words on paper. Yes, you know, in written form. Yes, and and guarantee to get it published. So that that seemed words away. Yes, from yes. And I didn't give it much thought at the time. But as time went on, I, I gave it more thought. And uh, through that process, I got my story written down in, this in a book. readable format. Where, where is it now? Can it be got anywhere? It can be got at the moment in the NMFM region. It's available in Super Value Kings Court and Kells. It's available in AM in Kells, Mullat Minority. Anybody feels they want it, a, a, you know, my mobile number, 087 That's brilliant. Or text me and I'll post it out. Lovely. Whatever. Great stuff. Margaret, lovely to talk to you this afternoon. Thank you very much for joining me on the show and I wish you well. My pleasure, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Take care now. Bye bye. Now, S T A R I N A G H. How do you pronounce it? Let's have a listen to what some of you have been saying. Here in RD, I would pronounce that as Strina in County Loud. Hmm, interesting. I'd say that's quite near the mark there for sure. Have we another one there, Louise? Strina. Yeah, so that's two for Strina. Give us another one. Give us a feel for another one, Louise. Say. Hi, Jerry. Yeah. It's Strina. Lovely. Strina Cullen, County Loud, or actually Strina Cullen, County Mead. Okay, thank you. Bernda Chevron is my name. <laughs> well done, Bernda. Thank you so much for getting it. And there's more there as well. But you're nearly all on the mark. And we're going to find out now because we're going to talk to somebody from S-T-A-R-I-N-A-G-H. Ronan Barron is on the line. Hello, Ronan. Hello, Jerry. How are things? Come on, say it for us. Strina. So it is Strina. So if you, if County you, Mead. and is it County Mead? Because Bernard was saying there it could be Loud, could be Mead. Is it Mead? No, it's County Mead. Yeah. And is there any part of it in County Loud? No, no. I don't think. Maybe the bottom, the the, the bottom end of it, maybe uh, well away from it. Though it's in County Mead, the site itself. <laughs> okay, and I was giving it credit for for Loud all afternoon, but there you have it. There might be a tiny part of the parish, but most of it is in County Mead, uh, yeah. according to Ronan this afternoon. And when you look at it, it's like if you look at the word, it looks like star. Strina, star Ina, but it's Strina it's pronounced, isn't it? Strina. Yeah, Strina, yeah. Strina. So the definitive on our misplaced pronunciation this Monday is Strina in County Mead. We have it from uh, the, the man himself, Ronan Barron, who lives there. Ronan, while you're with me, I want to talk to you just briefly about uh, Sean Lochran. Tell us about him. Uh, Sean was a farmer in from Glass Island. It's, it's beside Strina, a couple of kilometres away, and... Uh, he passed away there in February 2019. There, he he was a farmer in the area, and uh, well, just there, uh, we, we 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 a few of us around the, the following year set up a tractor run kind of in his name. So mm. we're having one this Sunday in uh, Chalk Range, like that in Strina. That's where it is. Lovely, and I thought it was appropriate since we were talking about Strina to mention this. It was a big shock to everybody when Sean passed away. It was very sudden. I was sudden, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a farmer. He was always, you'd, you'd always see him on the road. One of life customers, like a great, 
great uh, character in life, like, you know. Mm. So this tractor run is in his memory and you're donating funds to the Irish Heart Foundation. And No. No, uh, no to Sosad. Sosad this year, is it? Yeah, yeah you have Sosad supported is. the Irish Heart Foundation. I know that in the past. So it, it's Yeah, we did, it, we did it the first year in 2020. Yes. Uh, we did it for Dollar College Unit in Trada. Yeah. We did it last. Then with COVID, then we couldn't have it the following year. And then in 22, last year, we did it for Daddy Hospice and Daddy Cancer Support. Okay, okay. And uh, what was it to say to you? So it's for So Sad this year, Chuck Reinock in Strina, uh, half past 12 this coming Sunday. Yes, registrations from half 11. The run will start at 1. And uh, the, the, what you call it, uh, hopefully we get a good crowd on the day. Mm. And it's not just tractors, you want to say. No, we have tractors, we have vintage cars and lorries also. Yes. It's all full. All's welcome. Everybody all. is welcome to take part. And Admission is €25 Euro on the day and there's a raffle and the BT and refreshments and all on the day. The whole lot. There's, there's even music on there after for, for a half an hour or an hour after. Great. So there's everything happening in Strina. Everything happens. You can come yourself, Jerry. <laughs> Strine on Sunday is the place to be. It's the yes. centre of the universe on this coming Sunday. Twenty-five euro and so sad are the beneficiaries this year yeah. in memory yeah. of the late Sean Lochran, a man well known in the area who passed away suddenly four yeah. years ago. Thank you for confirming the yeah, pronunciation I, and wish you well with Sunday, yeah, Ronan. We just want a, a few thank yous there to, to the Chakra, the Br- Broomfield Residence Association, and also to Adam Sullivan of the. Will it military team there on the day too? Great stuff. Thanks indeed for joining me on the show, All Ronan. Right, Jerry, Take care, yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's uh, Ronan Barron there. Uh, we're mentioning that uh, tractor run on Sunday. Chuck Rightnock in Strina. So it's Strina is the way you pronounce it. 086-1800-658 is our contact number on the show. And again, if you'd like a copy of Margaret's book, Margaret Farley with me a little earlier on, Free Range Blessings, the question today is, an egg, we were talking, she's eggs through and through. Uh, anyway, in an egg comprised of the shell, the white of the egg. What's the other part of an egg? What's the word I'm looking for? The other part of the egg that makes up the egg. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text for Margaret's book. And they're flying into me. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number five from this week, January, February in 1986. And the song was the third track on this group's fifth studio album when I tell you the album was called Brothers in Arms I'm sure you have it yes it's Dire Straits it was released as a single in October 85 bit of a slow burner for them but it became their biggest commercial hit in the UK which is the charts we focus on here each week and it peaked at number two in the charts there but this week it was on the slide down to number five Here it is, our five and the top five countdown this week from Dire Straits. It's The Walk of Life. Oh 
Number five in our top five countdown from this week in 1986. The Walk of Life from Dire Straits. And it'll be four, three, two, one for the next four days here on Late Lunch around about this time on the show. There were two music videos incidentally produced for uh, that particular track. The first featured the band in concert, but I think it's the second one that most people remember uh, with the band playing along with clips of sports bloopers. That was the big one around that time and uh, video so important, of course, to the promotion of the song for Dire Straits. Wonderful, wonderful group. Late Lunch, LMFM Radio, an egg comprises of the shell, the white of the egg and the yolk, spelt Y-O-L-K. If you message me in Y-O-K-E, is there some yolks, I have to say. If the Y-O-L-K crowd that are getting the prize today, well, one of them are Magella Goodman from Carrick Macross. Well done to you. I'm sending you out that lovely little book of Margaret's Farley's. It's a wee book. It's a lovely, tidy book, but it's inspirational and really does give you a wonderful feel for the woman herself. So enjoy, Magella. Thanks indeed to everybody who joined in the fun and sent me your yolks or your yolks with a, a K-E or an LK, whichever way you decided to send it in to me. Anyway, final break of the uh, Monday on late lunch and coming up afterwards, I'm looking forward to having a chat with Patrick Peppard about the trim boot room. It all began back in 2019 and I love this idea. It's called the trim boot room and it's the concept of Patrick Peppard and Gordon Flood and Patrick joins me on the line. Afternoon. Hello, how are you? (laughs) I'm really good. Thanks for uh, taking our call on the show today. Well, you explained to listeners where this came from and what Trim Boot Room is all about, please. I will indeed. Yeah, so so myself and Gordon and a couple other um, dads were looking after an underage soccer team um, and we've been there a couple of years and um, my two lads and my daughter play and Gordon's three lads played as well. And we were, you know, you go through boots pretty quick. And mm. one of my boys decided he wasn't wearing his brother's hand-me-downs. And you're like, oh, what am I going to do with the boots? And one day we're training, I noticed a, a kid burst his boots. Um, and he would have played soccer. The, he played hurling and he played um, GA football. Um, and it was like, he's going to be out. He won't be able to just go and get a new pair of boots. Wouldn't it be great if we had a stock of boots that kids could just get use out of whilst they're either waiting to get a new pair or, you know, um, for a birthday or Christmas or whatever, um, you know, and yeah, we, we, I spoke to Gordon and he said he was thinking the same and he said, why don't we set up a Facebook page and see if we get any um, followers or any, um, you know, uh, yeah, around uh, people to take up uh, the idea. But within a couple of weeks um, of putting it up on Facebook, we got a load of followers and then um, a load of people dropped up football boots. Um, we had a few of our own. Um, we advertised um, locally as well on some of the Facebook pages and got more followers and got more boots. And then slowly but surely, Boots were coming in, people were coming in, swapping boots, getting boots for, um, you know, two and three kids at a time, particularly around this time of year. Do you know when, when memberships are due? Mm. 
you, you know, if you have three kids playing multiple codes of sport, um, you know, that, that's a lot of membership. Yes. And then you throw in that they haven't put on their football boots or their football gear um, in three or four months and they go to try them on and all of a sudden the boots don't fit. And there's a big push then to get boots to be able to go training. So, again, that's where we can come in. We can, you know, uh, parents can come along, pick up a pair of boots. They don't even, you know, they can only use them for four or five weeks until they get new boots and then they can drop them back in. And it's, yeah, it's been it's been a real success now. Um, we've got lots of pairs. I was up at um, the Trim Town. Um, they're launching an underage academy, soccer academy. So I was up at that on Saturday in the Trim Castle Hotel and loads of kids who hadn't played soccer before arrived up and they they were when they saw the big table full of boots, they were like, Oh, can I get boots? Yeah. Mm. Over to come and they all yeah, loads of kids took boots and loads of parents dropped boots in and it was Isn't it was great. great. Isn't that just great? So the, you've had, the, I believe, this year the biggest response ever, which is wonderful to hear. But you know something? This is a concept that's applicable right round the country, I have to say. You know, boots, kids go through them quite quickly, don't they? And generally because of that, they're growing fast. Uh, some children need two pairs of boots in the season or whatever. They're generally in good nick, you'd say. Oh, yeah. Some of the boots, um, and again, the smaller kids, they're not going to do a whole lot of damage to, to a yeah. pair of football boots. They're not going to put, mm. there's no big crunching tackles or, or anything like that where they're going to rip a pair of football boots. So, like, they can, and they're playing on AstroTurf and grass. So, the blades um, underneath of them are perfect. And they just, like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with boots. We actually had a few pairs of boots that um, Santa had brought the kids. And when they came around to put them on, they had grown them I've grown them and they never actually got to wear them and luckily enough they were donated into Trim Boot Room and we were able to find them a new home Ah that's really really nice and that happens and it happens with many parents and children too Um, I believe you they're coming from near and far to you Uh, tell us about the grandmother who came from down the country to Trim Boot Room Yeah uh, a grandmother um, her daughter um, had four kids um, and they hadn't played sports before and they all decided that they wanted to take up playing GA um, and um, she was a single mother um, and she couldn't afford to get boots for them all um, and the grandmother said well, she couldn't afford to, to you know, go out and buy new boots so she was up in Cabin somewhere um, and she got in contact via Facebook and she drove down and she picked up four pairs of football boots and off she went and all the kids were able to go playing playing their sport and so, you, yeah it was great it's great and you are part of what we'd understand now as the circular economy which is so good to hear because perfectly good boots you know they deserve to get a lifetime's use as well and to be handed on from one one to the to the other and this is for boys and girls and you've got more than football boots I believe as well a couple of pair of golf shoes athletic shoes yeah yeah because people just and, you know, when someone comes to your door and says, you know, I've got two pairs of football boots and a couple of pairs of spikes, do you take spikes? I say, yeah, no problem. Yeah, we take them and see if we can find them a home. And there was um, a lady contacted me from Father Murphy's uh, running club in uh, at Boy, and her son was, he was moving from one code to the other and he needed spikes and she wasn't sure whether he was going to stay at it. And she said, they're very expensive, 
you wouldn't happen to have a pair of size nine spikes. And as it happens, we had two pairs and one was a size nine. She came and collected them and she was absolutely delighted. And she's promised to, to bring more back um, so that, again, you know, again, we're, we're just the middleman, really. Yeah. You know, so we store store the, the shoes and boots and people can just have somewhere to go and, and pick them up. And, yeah, that, that, it, it's the service. Um, myself and Gordon don't mind doing it. It's great when you see a child coming in and they see a pair of boots they really like and they try them on and they're absolutely delighted. Mom is delighted, Dad is delighted, and off they go. And you know they're going to be playing sport and sport is fantastic for young young uh, kids' development socially um, and and Mm. physically. All that well-being comes from playing sport. And I think the more kids we can get playing sport, the better it will be for everyone. It will indeed. And well said. Trim Boot Room, check them out on Facebook. The best way to get in touch. If you have boots, you want to donate them, the boys are there and they'd love to hear from you. And you're passing them on to children that will get fantastic use out of them. I love what you do. Congratulations to yourself and Gordon. Well done. Keep up the good work, boys. Thank you very much. Have a lovely day. You too. That's Patrick Peppard there joining me from Trim in County Mead. That's almost a lot on late lunch for this Monday afternoon coming up Tuesday. If you went to Eureka School in Kells, you'll want to join us on late lunch tomorrow afternoon. And Marcella Wogan, well, she's the most brilliant artist and producer of jams, bread and scones. I'm salivating already. Thanks to all our guests who joined us today. To you for your company, we leave you today in the company of Mr Ed Sheeran. And it's celestial. Thank you for your company. See you tomorrow at half one. You see tonight, it could go either way. Hearts balanced on a razor blade. We are designed to love and Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.